Hello and welcome to the Integral Health Resources podcast. Um, looking over my uh, website here, I noticed that the last time I posted a podcast was 11 months ago. So really what this probably should be and what it was going to be was a farewell to the Integral Health Resources podcast simply because of the obvious. I have not been posting anything, not even posting blog posts on the on Integral Health Resources website, pretty much nothing. So as some of you know, if there are if there are any of you left, I am currently a school counselor and I have the summers off, so I'm in the middle of the summer now, and that's really when I'm going to be at sort of peak productivity mode when it comes to my uh, creative hobbies, which this this website and this podcast are a part of. And I sort of reevaluate every summer what I'm trying to do. Now, just to give a little history, back in 2006, maybe a little bit before that, um, I started a website called Head the Gong. And um, that it was really just my personal website. That that phrase is just a idiosyncratic catchphrase that my friends and I were using to signify uh, living all out, you know, carpe diem. And you can you can sort of read about the story behind that phrase if you're interested on on that website. But I had this website, and it it started out uh, just being again, it's just a personal blog basically that encompassed all of my interests and one of them being music I was playing in a band at the time and had sort of my own solo uh, musical recordings and and just really anything that I was interested in at all would go into that blog and it, and it grew and it grew and it grew over the years and one of my interests was psychology and spirituality and uh, holistic health and that sort of thing. So I had like a, a page uh, tab on that had the gong website that became this sort of portal in to this uh, the more philosophical, academic, psychological interest that I had. And it grew to be so huge that eventually I decided to just make that part of the website its own thing. And that's what became Integral Health Resources. And also, when I made that decision, I was still trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do professionally. I was taking a training at Duke. They have um, an integrative medicine uh, part of their medical school, Duke Integrative Medicine. And they were doing a training uh, called Integrative Health Coaching. And that was an option for me at the time of, you know, maybe some way I was going to branch out professionally. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll be be an integrative health coach. It was a, a sort of a new profession that was being proposed at that time. And so I thought it would be good to separate the two websites, you know, have this more professional uh holistic health website that could maybe eventually turn into my business website. And I remember even having business cards, you know, 
uh, integrative health coach and um, putting this integral health resources as my my web page for that. Now this is, uh, you know, I mean, time is just absolutely flying. So this is about circa 2010. So incredibly, uh, I mean, just thinking about that terrifies me um, because it's already been almost a decade since then. And, uh, you know, life took some twists and turns. And now I'm, I'm going to be going into year three as an elementary school counselor, year four as a school counselor in general. Um, I had a year of being a high school counselor, but I really, at least for now, I think I've found a really good niche. I really love being an elementary school counselor uh, at the school that I work for. It ticks a lot of boxes for me. One of which is, you know, having the free time in the summer to pursue other things and really having free time all year, at least as the school year is, is set up now. I mean, you just have so many days off. and um, But it also, just the job itself, I mean, just being engaged with kids that age. And I work in a, you know, sort of a high poverty, high need school. Um, it, it just... Yeah, I really like that job, and I can see myself doing it for a while. And so the whole health coach thing is pretty much now just one of, you know, a hundred things that just didn't happen. And that's just, you know, that's just the way life is. I've been reflecting lately on this this idea of you know, everything being about uh, potential when you're in your you know, your 20s and even into your, your 30s these days, you're always thinking in terms of potential. And that just became part of just the way that almost an identity for me. You know, I just was always thinking in terms of uh, my potential, realizing my potential. That's how I sort of conceptualized my spiritual path and my, my highest values in a lot of ways. But, you know, here I am now, I'll be 49 in a couple months, I mean, at a certain point, you're you're there. I mean, you're not, of course, not all the way there. There's always potential, but what you were looking toward when you were in your 20s and 30s was this this time that I'm in right now. And so, you know, you make choices, and certain possibilities, uh, you know, just sort of fade away. That's there's only so much time. It's like if you scale it down to a day. And this is, again, something that I I think about because it's the summertime. Every day, there's so many things I can do. Just today, I mean, I could go, I could clean out the garage. I could do all these household chores. I could, you know, work out. I could uh, record a podcast, record some music, work on novel. You know, there's so many. It's unlimited. So, But at a certain point, I mean, you can get paralyzed. You have to choose, what am I going to do today? And in making that choice, you know, you have only so many hours and a lot of things you didn't choose. So, and, and life is just, you know, obviously sort of a bigger version of that. And so, yeah, so now the, the health coaching thing, that's just, that's not going to happen. You know, this is the thing that I settled into and I'm happy. So I was thinking, uh, and that's one of the main reasons I'm not doing anything with this integral health resource at the podcast or the website is it's just, it, it sort of needs to be either, you know, 
killed, you know, just forget, just kill the website, kill the podcast. That was one option I, I considered. Um, the second option, which I think is my preferred option, is to just reabsorb it back into the, the mothership site. Just have it be this little portal on and the head the gong site. Now I've been active on that website. So I've been posting podcasts and recording music and doing everything on headthegong.com. But it's not, you know, it's not uh, as focused on uh, health, holistic health and psychology and, and, and meditation and the things that I, I focus on on this website. So I was thinking of reabsorbing it, but that's a, a lot of work. And also, you know, this website now has been cooking for a while and I actually have a greater following um, as far as you know Twitter followers and Facebook followers on this uh, integral health resources side of things than I do on the head the gong side of things now I don't really actively uh, try to get followers I don't market myself really at all but I think just because there's more people interested, the, the, the term integral integral health maybe had just, it's coming up on web searches. So people find their way over to this website and this podcast, I think more. So, you know, to kill this one is to kill, you know, uh, any slight uh, audience that I actually have. So I don't know. I, I think the main thing is it's just so much work it would take to... Um, reabsorb all the content here into the other website. Uh, I just, you know, that's time I could be spent actually doing things either on this website or the other one. So for this summer, and I'll probably revisit this every every summer, I decided to keep uh, the, the podcast and, and the website alive uh, for another year. And just revamp it. So I put some I put some work in already, um, sort of changing the focus. I'm just editing a lot of the pages and changing the pages. And you know, just as an example, mindfulness was a huge part of the website all this while, and it was kind of one of my areas of expertise. Um, now I sort of was into mindfulness before it was cool type of a thing. Um, and even when I first started getting into school counseling, the idea of integrating mindfulness into everything was relatively new. And But now it's just not. Uh, there's so many resources, and it's just so in the mainstream that I don't really need to be, uh, you know, trumpeting that anymore. So, um, so my interests have also shifted and that's the main thing. I mean, we're talking about in 10 years, I'm, I'm just interested in different things. So I'm going to, the new website, well, it's the same website. I mean, it's just going to be revamped and it's going to reflect my current interests. So that'll keep me more focused. Um, so for now I'm going to keep the integral health as the framework, um, I thought about even changing the website's name to reflect my, my interest, but still I think I, I don't really have a better idea as of right now, but my main interests have started to shift. So um, I think right now my number one interest as far as um, 
you know, I'm not want to say academic, but uh, philosophical, psychological is this uh, what's going on in the in the world of the attention economy. Now, I've created a little tab on the website. I'm calling it attentionology. It's kind of an awkward word, but you know, there's just not many words out there. Um, it's really just studying attention, but not, you know, from a variety of angles. And this is where the the integral framework kind of still works for me. Uh, you know, that integral framework being you can sort of look at things from the interior uh, individual subjective side of things. And obviously, uh, f the study of attention there is going to have to do with things like meditation. When you're really just interested in um, focusing in on attention, developing attention, improving the quality of your own attention through various practices. And there's also the other side, the more collective side of things where you're talking about uh, the attention economy. And this is a huge thing that's, um, I think, a very pressing issue right now is this idea that we're living in um, what Tristan Harris would call an extractive attention economy, where we have these social media platforms and tech companies that their whole business model is built on extracting human attention and profiting from it in a way. And this uh, has a, you know effects on our lives that I think are, it's all just unfolding now and, and it's hard to get a handle on exactly how it's affecting us, but it's definitely affecting me and everyone I know and uh, everybody in my little bubble on the internet. I, I just, I can see in my own life how much my life has transformed in relation to devices and screens. And I've only had a smartphone now for a couple of years, but um, despite the fact that I am keenly aware of the pitfalls and uh, just the potential dangers of um, just spending so much time interacting with these screens and these uh, artificial uh, social systems that have been built up, I still fall into it really easily. And this is, uh, this is just an area, this attentionology area that is so interesting to me. So I've created this, this attentionology page on the website. And I also, you know, it's growing and growing just within that one little portal. I have a section called Rise of the Attentionauts, which is just, I'm adding little pages on individuals that I think are leaders in this space. Um, people that, uh, here, let me just grab my laptop here. I can talk a bit about what I'm doing on this attentionology site. So I have my attentionology page and I've sort of defined uh, what I think that means. And I've got a bunch of individuals now that, you know, I'm not done with this page yet that I'm profiling. I'm starting with William James because he's sort of like the, the grandfather of studying attention. He's got a brilliant chapter on attention in his classic, The Principles of Psychology. And I have that uh, links to that on my website. Tristan Harris, whom I mentioned, is this guy. He's, uh, well, let me just click on him on my website and I'll go right to his little section on my Rise of the Attention Odds page. 
Um, he's a co-founder of an organization called the Center for Humane Technology, and he's also the co-host of a new podcast, which I, I can't recommend highly enough. It's called Your Undivided Attention. It just talks about, you know, all these issues here. And um, so he's basically almost like a whistleblower. Um, he was, he worked for Google as a, a, a design ethicist. And um, he's basically trying to warn us all, and even, you know, the U.S. Congress, he just testified before Congress that these um, algorithms, these tech platforms, these social media monopolies that are out there are that we need to do something about this now because um, there's they're having a massive effect on not only political discourse but just human life in general he he's you know I'm going to uh, I'll discuss at some point what I think is the single best resource it's a video called a new agenda for tech I'm going to link to that um, in the show notes really there's nothing i can say about it that can explain it better it's so well put together this presentation that tristan harris gives you can watch this video it's 40 minutes long and it will really get into all of this stuff and so much better than i can explain but anyway so tristan harris is sort of i think the top gun in this in this area talking about the extractive attention economy and its effects on humans, which he calls human downgrading and how it's just basically messing up our attention spans and screwing with our mental health and messing with the way, you know, our, the relationships we have in real life. And, you know, I, I, I challenge anyone to take a real honest look at how, um, you know, their smartphones and their screen time is really affecting them. I try to do that, and again, despite the fact that I'm very aware of all this stuff, it is so easy to slide into these like uh, digital rabbit holes and go on these digital benders where I will just lose time and um, waste time and just uh, not feel good about it at all. And it just affects my, I don't know, my inner flame, my whole... My whole vibe can be affected by uh, the habits that I've picked up and that I'm really trying to, to work with. So Tristan Harris, I might come back to him, is one of these what I'm calling attention knots. That's just a play on psychonaut, uh, just, you know, people that are uh, exploring this area, I'm calling attention knots. I'm just making up words here, attentionology, attention knot. Um, Cal Newport is another one. He is a computer scientist at Georgetown. He's really making the scene. He's been on tons of podcasts, mainstream and smaller ones. He's got a brand new book called Digital Minimalism, where he's, again, really directly trying to address this, you know, this intersection between technology and society and how uh, this new way of living with our devices is affecting our lives. And he gives a lot of practical solutions there. He also wrote a book before digital minimalism called Deep Work, or I think essentially his thesis there, I haven't read the book, is that, you know, the ability to do deep work, you know, to write a book, to record an album, to focus for long periods of time is really being degraded 
by the habits that we're picking up. And um, uh, he himself doesn't have any social media accounts. He's a very interesting guy. Uh, he has a TED Talk that you can access. Again, this is all on my website, Integral Health Resources. Go to the Attentionology tab. You'll see all these attentionots, and I have, again, this is a work in progress. I'm really building out this part of the website to reflect my current interests. Um, so Cal Newport, very interesting guy. Sam Harris, who I've always, you know, I've been interested in him since the beginning. Uh, for whatever reason, people still find him controversial because he was a an atheist who criticized religion, including Islam, and for some reason... Um, a lot of progressive people think he's, you know, a bad dude for some reason. Totally wrong, by the way. But um, forget about all that. I'm just focusing on what he does in this realm. Uh, he has a meditation app called Waking Up. I've been using this all summer. I've been meditating just about every day, and I'm using this app as a way to keep me on track. And I find it incredibly helpful. Uh, it won't be everybody's cup of tea, just like Sam Harris is not everyone's cup of tea in general. I mean, nobody is, but he's a very philosophical guy. He has a, a, a an approach that's very philosophical, thoughtful, reflective. So he's, in his app, he's, you know, intruding in on your meditation by directing you a lot. These are guided meditations. He's pointing you towards certain insights, so he's doing a lot of talking while you're sitting there, and some people just might find that antithetical to the whole practice of meditation. Not for me. I mean, I've been meditating for so many years that, you know, this is, for me, is a an awesome way to go deeper. But I think, you know, it is designed for beginning meditators, and I know it's been super helpful. He also is just a guy that talks about attention and uh, how just the, your quality of attention you know, becomes the quality of your mind and uh, it, it sort of forms your mental habits and that just becomes who you are. So he, he he's had a lot of, you know, these folks on his own podcast, which is called Making Sense. So I've got a link to some good resources from Sam Harris. And then there's others, Zeynep Tufeki, which I'm probably mispronouncing that. She is like a quote unquote techno sociologist. She works at the University of North Carolina and she's another one who is at the forefront of talking about this intersection between technology and society. Renee DeResta, she is a woman who specializes in sort of what happened in the 2016 election and the and the Russian hacking of Facebook and how, uh, you know, the role that tech platforms are playing and, you know, disinformation, conspiracy theories, democracy, destruction, or destabilization. Matthew Crawford, he's a guy that I don't know that much about. I need to dig deeper into him, but I saw that he uh, he was a sort of an early guy talking about this back, I think, as far as, you know, 2005, maybe earlier. He wrote a lot about attention. He had articles in the New York Times and books that uh, have to do with um, attention and and dealing with life in this age of distraction so there's some resources with him i also have somebody called jenny odell i basically just listened to a podcast with this artist named jenny odell she was talking to ezra klein who's a journalist about uh attention and uh she wrote a book called how to do nothing 
resisting the attention economy, but she comes at it from just a non-academic artistic perspective that's interesting. And I'm going to have other other folks make this roster of attention odds as well. So that's going to be a main topic for me. Uh, meditation. So I've sort of gotten off just mindfulness in particular, and my interest in meditation is going to f- just focus on uh, who I'm interested in these days, which again, the Sam Harris app, waking up. But also there's this guy, Shinzen Young, who's got this very interesting approach called unified mindfulness. And he's just like a math science nerd who became a meditation guru. And he's just got this very comprehensive systematic system. If you want to go super deep, it's a meditation, but in a, you know, a sort of, um, it's not super Buddhisty. It's very, he uses a lot of metaphors from mathematics and science that I just find really interesting. And so, you know, other areas of my website, you know, that I'm going to just, I'm not that interested anymore is like humanistic psychology, transpersonal psychology, integral psychology. This is stuff of when I was in grad school the first time around um, that I was super into. And then, you know, over the last 20 years, I mean, I don't know if nothing happened with, you know, transpersonal humanistic psychology, but it doesn't feel super relevant to me. It's maybe been absorbed in other things, the crucial insights. Somatics, which is a body-centered thing, I used to be super into that. And while I've integrated that into my personal, uh, you know, health practices and spiritual practices, I'm just not as interested in it in general. I think it's another one of those things that, you know, once some of the this also applies to humanistic psychology, integral psychology, transpersonal psychology. Once some of the personalities that were involved in these movements age out or pass away, um, you know, a new generation takes it up, but it just doesn't always have the same uh, energy to it. So like with the whole integral thing, Ken Wilbur, who is the the guy that's done the most to articulate this integral view of, uh, you know, just sort of putting together the multiple dimensions of, uh, human experiencing and reality into this big model. He's getting up there in age and it just, I mean, he's still doing stuff and writing, but it just, it feels like he's just basically been not just repeating himself, but you know, he's been developing his thing, but he's not really doing much that's new in my mind, which is fine. I think I've gotten the useful pieces of that. I'm just not that into it anymore. So for now, I'm going to leave it up, but I think I'll emphasize, instead of emphasizing transpersonal psychology, somatic psychology, humanistic stuff, I'm still more interested in the frame of critical psychology or anti-authoritarian basically a critique of the mainstream ideas that are holding sway this sort of medicalized uh version disease centered theories of psychology that as a counselor i know have a direct impact on people's lives. I mean, I work with kids that are constantly being diagnosed with ADHD and other disorders and put on medications that all this is coming from a way of understanding 
mental health that I just think is so flawed to the roots that this is something that deserves my attention and my critique and my voice to try to come up with uh, some better ways of understanding these things. So that critical psychology, I haven't really even developed that page yet on my site, but I'm going to be. That's kind of going to be the psychology angle that I'm going to take. And, uh, you know, so that's generally the gist of how this website is going to change. I'm just going to revamp it and have it more focused on the stuff that I'm interested in now. So right now, today, uh, the thing that I'm most, most interested in, again, is this the effects of this so-called extractive attention economy on society and on our uh, relationships and psychology. So I would urge anyone to to watch this Tristan Harris video, um, look at really anything he's done. Like I said, he's he's got videos now of him testifying before Congress. He's been on all kinds of mainstream media interview shows. If you haven't heard from him, I think you you will hear of him soon, but uh, it's just that general, the general framework is, you know, that we, uh, some people have been worried about artificial intelligence and thinking far away as to, you know, sooner or later, technology is going to surpass humanity and, um, what, what Tristan Harris reminds us is we keep looking as far into the future when it just technology will overwhelm every human strength. Like it'll be better up than us at creativity and everything, not just playing chess or some small thing, but when it sort of takes over and it's just better than us at all the things we're good at and we just kind of become obsolete. What he's pointing out is uh, there's a different point, not where technology overwhelms human strengths but where it overwhelms human weakness and that point is already upon us um, where in the form of uh, recommendation algorithm algorithms from YouTube or Facebook and um, all the stuff that we're seeing uh, on these giant tech platforms like Google YouTube Facebook they have already figured out, how to exploit human weaknesses in attention and uh, bias. And, you know, it, it's it's overwhelming um, human beings' weaknesses and pulling us in, you know, to this extractive attention economy for the sake of profit, basically. And... Why it's sort of like a runaway freight train where even these algorithms themselves, they're just doing what they're programmed to do within the current incentive structure of, you know, an advertising model and, and getting human beings to engage more with various platforms. They, they, of course, you know, if you're working for YouTube, you're going to set up an algorithm to keep people on YouTube as long as possible. And it's, it's working. I mean, these people have access to um, a knowledge of human persuasion and psychology and so forth where 
they've figured out what's going to keep us staring at YouTube. And uh, the reason Tristan Harris and and myself, I mean, why this is a huge issue is it's not just in our individual lives. Like I, I can just, I've been on so many digital benders lately. Just to give one example, um, the last time I posted a podcast actually was when I, I was diagnosed with non-melanoma skin cancer last summer. I had a basal cell carcinoma. I had two of them removed. Now I have another three that I'm currently waiting for the biopsy results. And of course, you know, I'm bummed as hell about that. Cause I'm thinking, you know, five, five potential skin cancers in less than a year. That's not good. But of course you're waiting for biopsy results and you have this, uh, you know, this thing called Google and you start Googling everything about it. And there's literally, I mean, the number of hours that you can get sucked into is crazy. Now there's a certain amount of research you want to do. I want to know what are the best procedures? Um, what are the risk factors, but it just, where you could figure all that out in, in an hour, um, you can see that, you know, the various videos and search things, they're designed to pull you in deeper and deeper and deeper by exploiting your frailties. So you're going to get into the more and more gruesome photos of people, you know, get with half their noses taken off and the more and more extreme things that elicit fear are the things that, uh, the algorithm is going to put in front of you to keep you sliding down and down and down into these rabbit holes. And it's incredibly effective. I mean, I know all of us out there that interact with these platforms know what I'm talking about. We've all had these, gone on these benders and slipped into these rabbit holes. And uh, this stuff is by design. So, I mean, they really, to have an awareness of this and understand it's not it's not just a simple matter of turning it all off. Um, it's uh, these, they really have our number. I mean, turning it off is definitely an option. And I'm not saying you, you can't just turn it off, but it's, it's a lot more difficult um, than you would think. It has that, that quality uh, of addiction. So uh, Tristan Harris points out in his, in his presentation, how, you know, the YouTube algorithms take you from say, you know, uh, Googling something on climate change. And all of a sudden, if you look at the recommended videos on the, on the side there within a few clicks and a few, you know, degrees of Kevin Bacon, um, you're on flat earth videos or you're, you're on conspiracy, Alex Jones conspiracies. And it just drives you toward these things that, uh, are going to keep you on the platform for a longer period of time. And when you have literally billions of people on these platforms that are subject to these algorithms and are having their minds filled with conspiracy theory, nonsense, and anything that uh, makes you more outraged, you know, like you'll have us, you know, Facebook algorithms too, they know if you're a, a left-wing progressive type the greatest thing to put in front of you is something about, you know, a person of color being harassed by a white police officer or something like that. And then that's going to take you further down that, uh, and it's, 
you know, the thing that will get you the most outraged is the thing that will engage you the most. And it just gets more and more and more amplified to the point where you have a, or could have a completely distorted view of reality and think that, you know, all day, every day, you know, it's not safe to go outside because there's, um, these incidents can be magnified way beyond the data. And I'm not, you know, specifically saying that about black police or white police officers interacting with, uh, African Americans. I mean, I don't really know the data on that, but that's just one example of how you can amplify something in your bubble, something that pushes your fear buttons. That's what you're going to engage on the most. And you're going to keep diving into that rabbit hole and it's going to create a distorted sense of reality. And I think that's just in your individual psyche. It's not good for you. And it's not, uh, like I say, it's, it takes you in directions that don't accurately reflect reality. And it also erodes discourse. I mean, we can already see, you know, family members and relatives that don't talk to each other over uh, political divisions that, again, have always existed, but they're actively being amplified uh, by these algorithms to the point where it's very distorting and having, um, you know, real world effects on human relationships, our human psyche our health. Um, you have teenage teenagers, especially girls with depression and self-harm out the roof. And there's definite connections between this and social media and, and other things. And we need to get a handle on this because it's only going to get worse. And I think it's, like I said, it's a runaway freight train now where with within the current incentive structure and extractive attention economy, of course, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And we can just sit around and wait for the negative effects to pile up to some sort of critical point, or we can sort of sound the alarm now and try to try to do something about it. So anyway, there's nothing I could say, like I said, that's going to be articulate to the degree that if, if you watch this, this Tristan Harris presentation on the, the humane technology video, um, he explains everything in just so... Uh, succinctly and brilliantly that I guess it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to talk too much more on that. Um, let me see. So we got the new website. Uh, again, same as the old website, but I'm just going to just dive into what I'm interested in. That's how, sort of what it's been all along. And maybe that'll keep me engaged more, keep me podcasting and writing more. So, yeah, I think that's that's just about it. You can check out the website, Integral Health Resources. I'm going to be continually editing stuff and, and sort of revamping it to reflect my current interests. Um, and hopefully anyone that's still listening, the, those are interests that resonate with you. Otherwise, you know, what, what, what can you do? It's like a, uh, obviously when you podcast once every 11 months, you can't expect to... Uh, keep your audience super engaged. But for the most part, I just do this for myself. It helps me um, sharpen my own thinking. And I just enjoy it. Obviously, I want to get better at it. Um, and in all fairness, you know, I've, I've podcasted several times on, on Head the Gong. So you can check that out, the Head the Gong podcast, where I'm talking more about personal stuff, creativity, music. I've been focusing more on my energy there. 
So check that out if you want. And um, yeah, so hopefully this won't be the last time this summer you hear from me. But that's about all I have for now. And uh, take care. Any feedback, um, you can direct directly uh, in the comments section of the blog on the Integral Health Resources site. I have a Twitter account that I check out uh, every day, integral underscore resources, you know, with the at sign in front there. I'm also at head the gong. That's my, um, you know, even more active personal site. Uh, you can give me feedback on either one of those. And I'm always happy to engage with uh, constructive criticism or interesting ideas. So until next time, take care.